Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Glory to God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Matthew chapter 6. This has been just a, a great time of diving into this subject. I feel like we've been on this for quite a while. If you remember, we started with Galatians, where the, the writer Paul, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Remember that? Who wants to go to church and find out you're foolish? Who wants to go to church and find out you don't have it all together? Who wants to go to church? And, but what that word foolish, if you remember, what that word foolish means is lacking spiritual sense. Lacking an awareness of spiritual matters and spiritual things. He wasn't talking about their cognitive ability. He wasn't talking about their natural reasoning. He wasn't talking about you're unschooled, you're unlearned, you haven't been walking in the way. He's talking about their awareness of spiritual things. And what we recognize is when we come into this kingdom life, there has to become an awareness of spiritual matters. Um, you know, I remember a statement growing up, maybe you've been familiar with it, heard it before. You don't want to be so spiritually minded. You are no what? Earthly good. I, you know, I'm starting to wonder if we're any earthly good if we are aware and spiritually minded in some things. Now, I know what they're talking about, living in the clouds and living this super spiritual life where you're always uh, there is no connection with the natural, where there's no connection with the tangible. But we recognize here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says, in this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Where's the Father? Where's the Father? In heaven. Hallowed be your name. And then he says this, what's in heaven shouldn't stay there. Right? This isn't Las Vegas. This isn't what happens in... Heaven stays in heaven. No, he says, your kingdom, what? Come and your will be what? Done where? On earth, where? On earth, where? On earth, as it is. So what's he helping us see? That there ought to be a connection between heaven and earth. Heaven is not just this place that we're hoping to go to one day. Jesus had a different perspective of heavenly matters, of the heavenly realm. Jesus' perspective was the way you operate up there, the way you function up there, the way you do things up there, the things you emphasize up there need to be the way things are done and operated and function and emphasized on the earth. This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He's teaching his disciples to bring heaven to earth. He's teaching disciples that spiritual matters should impact and influence natural matters. Spiritual matters should impact and influence natural matters. Everything that you see tangibly started in a place that you couldn't see, in an intangible place, in an unseen place. I love talking about vision and imagination and visionaries. And, and anytime you come into contact with the visionary, they are always um, 
connected to what is not yet in place. Just by the, the very nature of a visionary, they talk about things as they ought to be, not as they are. You won't ever talk to a visionary and they're just going to give you feedback on the way things are. Whether it's a business, whether it's a product, whether it's a relationship, they, they are so focused, hyper-focused, if you will, on something that is not seen and they are driven by that. And so then in return, they're not moved by the way things are. They're not moved if, it's, if, it, if they're not currently seeing it. They're not moved by if they're not currently feeling it. They're not moved by if they're not currently hearing it. They live in such a way in the unseen realm, that would be the spiritual matters, and they connect those things and they bring them into the natural realm. They, they bring unseen things into the seen. They bring the intangible into the tangible. They bring the spiritual into the natural. And so there ought to be this connection. We're not talking about just living in the clouds and, and hoping and wishing one day. We're talking about literally manifesting heaven on earth. We're talking about literally making God's way of doing things into this realm, bringing that into this realm and making it man's way of doing things. I'm talking about living for believers, living in the spirit ought to be the most natural thing we do. You say, well, how does that make sense? I'm talking about you are more connected with things of spiritual matters than you are with natural matters. But of course, what we see in our world, and sadly, we see it in the church as well, that we are more in tune and more connected with natural matters than we are with spiritual matters. When do we stop and pause and say, God, what is your word on this thing? God, what are you saying? What are you doing? How are you moving? How are you using this? Rather than just merely reducing it to what we see and feel and hear in this natural sense, when are we stopping and connecting with heaven and saying, this is what's happening, but how do we bring this here? How do we bring your thoughts and ideas and intentions? That's what that word will means, your will. The, the Passion Translation reads it this way, verse 10 manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth. You see that. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth. And then we said this last week, this is the context, just as it is in heaven. When do I come off and when do I stop bringing heaven? When it looks like heaven. Until it looks like heaven. And if it doesn't quite equate with what heaven looks like, then I'm not done. I still have work to do. If you remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus announces and communicates about the church for the first time, doesn't he? He tells Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then the very next verse, he says this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So if you're wondering, well, how can I access heaven? How, do, how can I bring that here? He's giving you the keys to everything you need to access in heaven. He has given you a key to access it, open it up, and then make it deposited in the earth. Bring it into this room. You need a key of healing, 
You need a key of peace. You need a key of, of deliverance, a key of freedom, a, a, a key, whatever key you need. He's got the key. He's given it to you. And now it's up to us to unlock those things and now bring them into the earth. This is literally our assignment. This is literally why the church exists in the earth. Not just to do good things. Not just to be good people. Not to just make Jesus our personal Lord and Savior. Y'all ever heard personal Lord and Savior? Yeah, we love a personal Lord and Savior because that means it, it, re, it, it doesn't require any uh, connection to anybody else. No responsibility for what's happening in the ongoings of the earth. But I love what Pastor Bill Winston said. He said, nothing should happen in the earth without the church's permission. Hello. Nothing should happen in the earth without yours and I's permission. That things that are being allowed are being allowed on behalf of the church. And things that are being tolerated are being tolerated on behalf of the church. And things that are being loosed and bound, right? I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you loose on earth, whatever is bound on earth, and heaven's responding to what you and I are doing. Now, heaven already has a will. Heaven already has a purpose. Heaven already has an intent. That's what he's saying. My father in heaven. But he says what happens in heaven shouldn't stay in heaven. We've got to find a way to bring that down here. How do we do that? It's a life in the spirit. It's where we learn to live out of our spirit more than out of our flesh and out of our natural desires. I'll take you to one more passage and then we'll dive back into Romans 8 where we've been. Uh, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Powerful verse on the ministry of Jesus. I messed up and read this verse. If you read it the way it is. Amen. I think I gave it to the guys back there in the, the CSB translation. How God anointed, everyone say anointed. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the what? With the Holy Spirit. That's a dangerous passage. That's a dangerous passage because what it tells me is Jesus didn't do what he did because he was Jesus. So if Jesus needed assistance to fulfill this assignment, how much more do you and I? The qualifier for Jesus' ministry wasn't the fact that he was a son of God. It was that he was a son of man, anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit and submitted to the Father. It says Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, and with great power. It says that he did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him. The New King James reads, for God was with him. God was with him. It's, it's time that the church realizes that Jesus, the head, went to heaven and was seated at the right hand of the Father, but the body remained in the earth, and he's still working and moving through you and I. 
Jesus, the body, is still in the earth expecting to do that passage right there. And now you are anointed, and now you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Power to do what? To be witnesses. Where? Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. All over the place is what he's saying. This thing isn't contained geographically. There are no limitations on the expansion of God's kingdom. Take this thing everywhere you go. And you're going to do that under the anointing. I like to define the anointing as spiritual assistance for a spiritual assignment. Spiritual assistance for a spiritual assignment. Your assignment in this earth is not just merely natural. Therefore, it cannot be fulfilled and conducted on merely natural ability alone. Now, again, I'm not, I, I, I'm not leaving out natural components. Let's, let's just go ahead and be clear on that in case anybody wants to make me one of those that, you know, I told them not to go to the doctor or not use medicine. I'm not saying that at all. This is what I'm saying. Everybody in this earth has an authority. Everybody does. Even if you say you don't have an authority, you have an authority. Everybody has an authority. The, the question is not if you have an authority. The question is what is your authority? To whom have you given authority? I mean, over the last two years, it's become more and more identifiable to whom people have allowed to be a voice of authority in their lives. They just, at a whim, follow any little decree or dictate that is coming along rather than stopping and, and even having even just basic common sense about some things. Even just, just stopping and slowing down for a second and say, wait a minute. Who's doing, the, who's doing the research on this? Who studied this? How long have we been studying it? How new is this? How old is this? How, how proven is this? I mean, we're not, we're just, everyone's got a voice of authority. And so the question is not if you have a voice of authority in your life. The question is what have you given authority in your life? And what we're talking about in living by the Spirit is hearing from the Holy Spirit. Now, hearing from the Holy Spirit may say, you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. Absolutely. Some, I, I've watched some people in faith, I don't need a doctor, uh, we refute doctors, and they die. They die in the same level of faith that they thought they had because the voice of the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to go get this checked out. You need to go see this person. Voice of the Holy Spirit might be saying, you need to get on this. This treatment, this plan. Nina might, Nina might go, you, you need to do this infusion. You need to take this. You need to go on this program. You need to have this procedure. Oh, yeah, and the Holy Spirit will talk to you about your diet. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about your friendships. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about your marriage. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about your car payment. The Holy Spirit will talk to you about, you know, 72 months at, at 12%. It's not a great idea. The Holy Spirit will tell you all kinds of stuff. Hello? The Holy Spirit is in your life to be a leading voice of authority. And he will help you utilize the natural resources that are in this earth to the best of your ability. You know, we, we, we just, 
you know, are in, in the process of, of, you know, closing on this property and, and raising the funds. There, there's, there's no special money tree that churches have access to that, that we raise money differently than anybody else. Money is money. This is the element we are in. This is the natural element. But the Holy Spirit will tell you where to go and how to do it and how to, how to, how to set it up and what not to agree to and what to. The Holy Spirit is the leading voice of authority. Then from there, I can use the natural resources to my advantage rather than them working against me, rather than relying on them and depending on them. Because the Holy Spirit this time might say, finance it. The Holy Spirit this time might say, you're doing it all cash. And it's not wrong either way which method you use. It's wrong when we eliminate the Holy Spirit from the process to say, well, this worked last time. Well, maybe what worked last time won't work this time. He needs you to do it a different way this time. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's where listening to. And being empowered, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the power, with the Holy Spirit. For God was with him. That's the formula right there. Acts 10.38 is your formula. That's not just a verse about some awesome guy that walked this earth 2,000 years ago that we just read about and, and, and tell stories about. This is literally... The the formula that worked for him is the formula that can work with you. Get anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Recognize that you have to do this in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Honestly, guys, one of the greatest indications of a life transformed is its yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. One of the greatest indications of a life transformed is its yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. It's going to demand some yielding over, yielding over of control. And yes, the Holy Spirit will send you down paths that nobody else would go. Yes, yes, the Holy Spirit will have you be the one out of a thousand that will do it a different way. Yes, the Holy Spirit will have two out of 12 spies, 10 opposing, say, you can take the land. So we have to recognize that there there is a Holy Spirit that is living in us, coming upon us, filling us, empowering us to live a life in the Spirit. If, If a life in the Spirit wasn't a demand, then you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit in your life. If you could do it all on natural ability alone, then you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. This is a life in the Spirit. This is a life in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. See if we can get a little further this week. Romans chapter 8 shows us this, this resounding tension between the flesh and the spirit. And again, just to give a preface, a lot of times we only read this passage in the context of sin versus righteousness. And when we think flesh or we think carnal, we think of you know, lustful things or things that are directly opposed to the word. But he's trying to help us understand a life in the spirit. A life where not even in is this a sin or not, but a, a life in is this what God wants or not? 
Is this how I ought to respond to this situation? Is this how I'm going to bring heaven to earth in this scenario? Or am I really just doing my own desires and my own wishful thinking or, or living down, relying upon and depending upon natural resources alone? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started this thing in the spirit. Why do you think you can finish it in the flesh? That's Galatians chapter three. Why do you think that we can start this thing? Salvation is a spiritual experience. Why do we think that now from that moment on, we get to make decisions out of the natural alone? No, he's showing us a new pattern. He's showing us a new way of living. He's showing us a new way of seeing things, a new perception, a new reality, and bring heaven to earth. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those, this is the context for the passage now, who are in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about those who are in Christ. This is not for unbelievers. This is not for the lost. This is for believers. This is written to the church. And now you've, tr- you, you've been translated from darkness to light. The context of your life now is in Christ Jesus, who do not walk right there. The, 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 the very key indicator now of being in Christ Jesus is who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The very next statement gives you one of the major parameters of someone who is in Christ Jesus. Qualifying statement is, You no longer walk. That word walk means live. It's translated live. Who do not live in the flesh, but you live out of the spirit. This is the life of the spirit that we're talking about. The Amplified reads it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. The Passion Translation reads it this way. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. Continuing on in the New King James, verse 2. Now let's jump down to verse 4. I'm going to get hung up on those verses again. I got to get further. If you want the other verses, listen to the last two weeks. I got stuck there last week. I'm not going to get stuck there again. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Notice he continues to qualify what what is said before qualifies for those who are in Christ Jesus living according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh, here it is, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Those who uh, live, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So notice this, your life will never reflect beyond the level of where you have set your mind. Your life will never reflect beyond the level of where you have set your mind. You will not live out of the spirit with a mind set on the flesh. We've talked about this before. Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above, 
not on things below. Notice that you are the sole person that has the, the responsibility to set your mind. Nobody can do it for you. I can't do it for you. I can't tell you where to set your mind. I can't, I can't get in there and say, all right, we're going to think just spiritual matters, spiritual thoughts, you know, vision thoughts, heavenly thoughts. I, I can't do that. You have to, I can lay out the two. I can lay out the flesh. I can lay out the spirit. You can see it in the word of God. You can see the two clearly. And now you have to make the conscious effort and decision with intentionality and diligence and discipline to say, I'm setting my mind on this regardless. And your life cannot reflect beyond where you set your mind. You want to get control of your life, you're going to have to first get control of your thought life. The thought life steers everything. And he says no different in this passage. Flesh, spirit. Now your spirit on the inside wants the things of God. Your spirit on the inside. But notice that your mind... An unruled thought life becomes a limiting factor for where your spirit can go. An unruled thought life becomes a, 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 a stronghold that, that keeps your spirit from being able to operate even according to what it wants and desires. The Bible tells us that a mind set on the flesh is actually enmity against God. It resists and rejects the things of God. So this isn't about getting your, 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 your spirit strong. This isn't about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, becoming more. You know, I like to tell people, you know, you can't be more saved than you were the day you became born again. You can't become more like God internally in your spirit. But now your mind... What does Romans 12 say? Has to be renewed. Be renewed. Be transformed in your life by the what? Renewing of your mind. See, a lot of us forget that element. A lot of us forget that side. We, we leave that part out. We think, okay, born again, prayed the prayer, salvation, I'm in the kingdom, done deal. No, 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 no. Your mind is still stuck back here. Your mind is still unrenewed. Your mind is still wanting to punch people in the face when your spirit wants to love them. Your mind still wants to keep looking at that when your spirit says, no, 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 that's danger zone. You don't want to go there. Your mind still wants to respond out of the natural way of doing things and even wants to rely on its own reasoning and cognitive ability. Your mind will resort. If the Holy Spirit is missing and in, in deficient in any area of your life, you will resort to a natural means to solve that issue. Anything. Marriage, finances, emotions. So we have to recognize this, 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 this mental game, this, this war of the mind, this is what we've got to get in alignment. I, have no, I, I hold no chance, have no hope of living a life out of the spirit with the mindset on the flesh. That's what he's saying. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds. That means they were intentional about getting there. It might feel like an accident, but somewhere along the line, you can look back and say, yeah, I decided to go there. Those 12 spies went in. They all saw the same promised land. Joshua and Caleb didn't see anything different than the other 10. But what did they do? Set their mind. 
set their mind. Remember what Jesus came preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in the 2022 version of repent, we got people boohooing and crying at an altar. And that's great. It's great to have an emotional response. It's great to understand that, man, my life was, was gone. My life was garbage. My life was in darkness. And look what he did. But the word repentance actually means change your thinking. That's literally what the word repent means. So let's plug that in. Change your thinking for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wow. That changes it, doesn't it? Change your thinking. He's letting you know ahead of time something's coming that's going to disrupt and challenge the way you think it should be. Change your thinking. He's setting you up. He's letting you know there's going to be some mental shift here. Right? I can give a poor person a million dollars and they'll still be poor. Why? Because that didn't change their thinking about money. I got to teach them how to use money, steward money, how to treat money right, how to honor money, how to respect money, how to value money. You got to go through the whole thing. They got to what? Change their thinking. It's amazing how many times we want God to just work on the external stuff. And he's like, man, if I could work on the internal stuff, you would get the external stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's he saying? Set your mind. That's what he's saying. And I keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. He's always working on the mind. God is always working on the mind. God is always working on what I like to call our stinking thinking. He's always working on it. And it tells us right here that living out of the flesh, your spirit, you're going to get your mind in line. Get the thinking in alignment. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Now, this is a new term. We've got to throw this in here. Carnally means redeemed but not renewed. Carnal means redeemed but not renewed. So we've got three categories you could fall in just in this passage alone. Flesh, flesh. Carnal, spiritual. Flesh is unredeemed, unrenewed. Carnal is redeemed, unrenewed. Spiritual is redeemed and renewed. We got that? Flesh is unredeemed, unrenewed. Lost, gone. It hasn't even had the opportunity to come into alignment with the kingdom of God. Carnal is, I've been redeemed, I've come to contact, I've been transformed, but I have not yet renewed my mind according to this new way of living, this new reality called heaven on earth. And spiritual is when I get that in full alignment and I've been redeemed and I'm walking in the renewal. Now, you never achieve full renewal. Let's just go ahead and you're on a life journey of renewal. You will be renewing until the end of your time on this planet. And even then, there was more to be renewed to. You're always renewing the mind. There's, there's no expiration date. There's, there's no, you, you can't put it on a timeline and say, you know, March 1st, 2022, I renewed my mind. You can't do it. You're in a continual process. And those that think that they have achieved it, it just goes to show how much more work you got to do. 
Just, just, just go ahead and accept it. I will always be on this renewing of mind journey. It's a tall task. But yet he tells us, this is what I'm calling you to. You can do this. You can do this. You can achieve a life in alignment with heaven and its purposes. And then when you do that, you go into the land, and guess what? You'll still see giants. And you'll you'll still see vast territories, but where you once saw impossibilities, now you see possibilities. Come on. And every giant that confronts you is just an invitation to show how mighty God is through you. Thank you for showing up in my life, Mr. Giant, because I got a God that's bigger and greater than you, and you're about to look so small right now. It's an invitation. He's inviting us into the impossible. He's inviting us. You should be thanking God for your Goliaths and all the children of Anak that show up. You should be, oh, you should be thanking God for the fortified cities. You should be thanking God for the vast lands that seem like it would swallow us up. You should be thanking God because within it is an invitation to watch God move on your behalf when you can access heaven and bring it to earth, when you can access the spiritual and live out of the spiritual. And Joshua and Caleb said, we're living by what is possible rather than what is impossible. Well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? That's how, that's how a, a, a mind set on the spirit thinks. What if it does work? What if they do get healed? What if that does get paid off? What if this does come through? What if this does get restored? You start asking different questions. You start facing challenges and struggles much differently. Oh, 2020 would have gone a lot different if we had a church that had a mind set on the spirit rather than on the flesh. Bring on virus infections, shutdowns, quarantines, and all the, ne- all the like. Bring it on. We're going to show you how great and mighty our God is. We're going to rise above the noise and rise above the distractions and live out of heaven rather than live out of the earth. Now you got me preaching. I'm supposed to be teaching Treaching. Treaching. Verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. He says to have one foot in and one foot out. Still not there. Ah, we're still not there. Still got work to do. Halfway in, halfway out. Come on, we all have these moments. We all have these challenges. We all have these moments where I even obtained to a level of spiritual thinking, but I've resorted and reduced back. He's saying, man, one foot in, one foot out, it's not going to work. Carnally minded, unredeemed, unrenewed, redeemed, unrenewed, it's not going to work. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he would not dangle that carrot over you if it wasn't possible and obtainable. Wouldn't that be rude of God? To be spiritually minded is life and peace, but you can never achieve that. No, he's saying, you want to achieve that. You want to be there. You want to think like me, operate like me, talk like me, function like me. Get in alignment with heaven. That's really what he's saying. Get in alignment with heaven. Get in alignment with my values. Get in alignment with how I function. Get in alignment. Think how I think. Oh, but his ways are higher. They sure are. Get up there. Come on, that's what he's saying. His ways are higher. 
Sure are. Set your mind on things above, not on things below. He didn't say you couldn't obtain it. He's just saying, I'm thinking on a different level than you are. And you start praying, our Father who art in heaven, in heaven, in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, on earth, as it is, as it is in heaven. All right. Verse 7 says the carnal mind is enmity against God. He says, a redeemed but unrenewed mind is still pushing back on what I want to do. Still pushing back against what I want to accomplish. He says, because it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit, okay? So now we're in the spirit, now we need to live out of the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Jump down to verse um, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now again, we're not just talking about sin. We're talking about any time that I resort to fleshly thinking or a natural way of doing things outside of relying upon and depending upon the Word. So it doesn't mean if I'm doing something of natural matters that I'm wrong as long as I'm being led by the Spirit. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to sin. Let's just cover that, right? I was looking at her, but the Holy Spirit told me I could. No, don't work with that. Doesn't work like that. You got to keep his character and nature consistent. See, the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap from Christians. The Holy Spirit's like, quit putting me out there like that. I didn't tell you to do that. That was your own fault. That was you looking stupid. That was you looking crazy. The Holy Spirit and the devil both take credit and blame for stuff that they never had anything to do with. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it. The devil's not beating your life up. You are. You're your own worst enemy. You, you won't get in the line. You've been told a million, oh, the devil's just tearing our marriage apart. No, he ain't. He's standing over in the corner laughing because you're doing all the work for him. Hello? The Holy Spirit's not going to talk you into something out of alignment with his word. The Holy Spirit is never going to direct you. But then there's times where he will lead you in the ways of life that will require you to use natural means or natural resources. Again, it's not about the method. It's about who is the voice of authority. Who told you to use that method? Did you use that method because your friend used it? Because someone suggested it? Because it worked for them? Because it worked for you last time? Or are you sensitive and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Okay? So we recognize this. If you're living according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Again, an indicator of being in the family of God is the Holy Spirit now becomes your voice of authority. 
He's saying, if you're a child of God, then you need to be led by the Spirit of God. If you're in the family, then now the Holy Spirit becomes the, the voice in your life. Not Facebook, not your, your natural impulses, not what you think should be done, not what makes the most sense, not what, what, what you know, goes with the flow, not with what the majority are saying. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Being led by the Spirit of God. I want to read this to you out of uh, the Passion Translation. We'll have it on the screen behind me. I want to point out some of these verses here. Let's go back to um, uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live, I like this word, by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. This is what I believe. I believe that as a believer becomes more sensitive and allows themselves to be led by the Spirit of God on a regular basis, it'll become so natural that it will even seem like a natural intuition or impulse on the inside that says, I believe we should do this. There's a passage over in Acts where they were praying and they said, it just seems right. Now, in a natural sense, you know, our seamers can mislead us. I call it a seamer. It can seem right, but it can mislead us. But I believe that there is such a closeness and such a yieldedness that we can get with the Holy Spirit that it'll almost seem like a natural impulse on the, it's like, I think we should do this. And that's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. But you become so in tune and so in line, aligned with heaven that it almost just seems like this is just what we should do. I believe you can achieve that. I believe we can get there. That it doesn't have to be this booming voice from heaven, an angelic light, or some crazy being that's got 18 eyeballs and four wings and, you know, the, the hooves of a horse and whatever else coming into your room, scaring the daylights out of you. I, I believe it could come from the inside. Just a still, small voice that says, we need to do this. It could be peaceful. Timothy Hagen always said that, that let peace be the umpire of your life. Where's the peace leading you? Where's the peace leading you? I mean, in the last two years, my wife and I, we've been challenged with some really serious, tough questions that people have had to face concerning things going on in the world and what to do and what not to do. And, and every single time, it, 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 Brother Hagen put it this way. He will always give you a clear yes or no, even in the common things of life. And peace will be the umpire. And for one, it might be, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're hard-pressed against it, and you got to follow peace and know that the Lord is backing you and with you and going before you in that situation. And for another, it may be, we had peace to go ahead and do this and take this on and, 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 and take this measure or whatever. Let peace be the umpire because each individual, it would be ridiculous of us for us to come up with blanket statements that say we shouldn't be doing this and another that we should all be doing that. That'd be ridiculous. And at the end of the day, I remember I sat down with an individual that wanted to have a conversation about some matters that they thought I should bring up in this church. And so, you know, I 
I disagreed. And I said, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow you to distribute your paraphernalia, whatever she had. And I'm not going to preach that from the pulpit. Well, then what are you going to do? We're going to continue to teach people to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what we're going to do. You understand how much I'm crippling you if, I, if you're waiting on my orders? Now, you can ask what I think about something. You can ask, what am I doing? And I'll, and I'll give you a one-on-one conversation in that matter. But I will never, ever override the capacity for you to listen, for the, listen to the Holy Spirit and what is he directing you. And many times I will refrain what I think and what I say and, and opinions and things of that nature. Ultimately, I don't have an opinion. It's what the word of God says. But in some things in this day and age, is there's a lot of confusion. You notice that? There's a lot of confusion. Where does confusion come from? God is not the author. He doesn't ever want you to make a decision in the dark. You hear me? And it might look like to others, man, they're shooting from the hip. No, 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 no. I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Joshua and Caleb might have looked like they were shooting from the hip. Let's just get in and take it. Let's just, but no, they were standing on a promise of God. Regardless of what the natural was telling them, they stood with the promise of God. They stood with his word. They stood with the spirit of God. And that's what we have to do today. Today's dynamics are no different than what they faced. Today's dynamics are no different. It doesn't say don't get a report. It just says don't believe it. And they came back with the report of the good. In the back. You know what the bad did? Is it prepared them for the battles that were up ahead. Because in Joshua, when he finally gives the command, the unrepentant, doubtful, rebellious group didn't go in. They died off. In Joshua, he says, in three days, you're going to go in. Prepare, prepare, prepare. See, God doesn't want you to go in unprepared. You go to the doctor, you get a report. That doesn't mean that report overrides God's word. Healing is yours. But now I'm prepared to approach this and attack this thing as I ought to. And now I'm going to listen to the Spirit of God. Lord, do I go to take, have this procedure done? Lord, do I take on this treatment that they're suggesting? And then when I take on the treatment, I don't take on the treatment in reliance of the treatment. I take on the treatment in reliance of the Holy Spirit that's directed me to the treatment. And anything abnormal or ill effects that it would have on my body, it cannot have. It will only affect the wrong cells, the wrong thing that's going on. And I will recover and testify of the glory of the Lord. That's how this works. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't ever condemn a Christian or fellow believer for going to the doctor, for undertaking a procedure, or taking medication. You connect your faith with where they're at, and you get hooked up with them. You say, we're going to see you through this, and in Jesus' name, you're going to have a testimony. Period. And if they have to walk around some walls until they fall down, come on. 
They have to kill some giants, cut off some heads, throw some stones along the way. You better be right there backing them up saying, we're fighting with you and for you. And we're all going to see the glory of the Lord revealed. Through the chemo, we're going to see the glory of the Lord revealed. Through the surgery, we're going to see the glory of the Lord revealed. Through the hospital stay, we're going to see the glory of the Lord revealed. You stay with it. We're bringing heaven to earth. And don't get hung up on the method. Don't condemn a fellow believer for doing what they are feeling led that they ought to do. Period. There's enough of that garbage running around that, 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 that it's crippling people. And they think they're in faith and they're not in faith. By saying we're not going to the doctor, we're not taking the medication, we're staying home, we're not doing this. You're no, you're not, you're not in faith. You you need to get connected with what the Spirit of God is saying and live and not die. Doesn't mean there won't be battles ahead. He said, prepare your men, prepare the women and children, prepare your old, prepare your young. Get them ready. We're about to wage war on this thing. Uh, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue, here it is, spiritual realities. Verse 6, for the sense and reason of the flesh. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? That you sense and reason out of the natural alone. The sense and reason of the flesh ultimately is what? Death. We know that word death is not just talking about the natural sense I'm going to kill over and die. We're talking about separation. The word death also uh, has the connotation of ineffectiveness. It means it's ineffective. It's null and void. It will not produce results. A life led by sense and reason in natural ability alone will not produce the results of heaven on earth. It's impossible. Cannot happen. But he says the mindset controlled by the Spirit. Who's the voice of authority? Controlled. Finds life and peace. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.